Welcome to the Fleet Geeks podcast. We're here to help develop fleet and transport professionals. Do you want to progress and develop your skills and knowledge? We promise to bring lively conversation and debate around interesting issues and keep you bang up to date with changes in our awesome industry. The Fleet Geeks are a community of professionals and if you enjoy the podcast, why not join the discussion for free in the Fleet Geek community over on Facebook. How are we doing, mate? I'm all right, yes. Uh, I'm very well, thank you, Pete. Um, uh, it, uh, you'll note Pete's got a high-vis jacket on there. That's, uh, it just proves that Pete, Pete's actually been doing some real work out in the yard. I'm guessing you've been doing some gate checks or something this morning or something along the way. Yeah, right? mate. Hard, hard at work, mate. Hard at work, I have to say. Yeah, I've been. Um, I've got my high-vis on. I'm about to take it off, actually, because I think I'm done in the yard. and It's starting to heat up a little bit. We're sort of in the midst of this heat wave. Um, but yeah, no, I've got, got my hardware's on, been doing some gate checks, been doing some bits and pieces uh, at one of our clients, so helping sort some CCTV out, strangely. Um, not normally in my remit, but yeah, um, needs it's, must and all that. Well, it, I'll tell you what, it's a funny old thing in that tra- transport managers, they do tend to get involved with just about absolutely everything. That is, it, it's everything. And, uh, you know, we, we tend to pick up the slack that nobody else wants, such as CCTV cameras. and Yeah, yeah absolutely. Making sure the yard's secure. I, I think that in, in this role, I sort of pick up quite a bit of the health and safety responsibility yeah. as well. And, um, yeah, it's sort of getting coverage in the warehouse for the roots of the forklift and that kind of thing so that we can see uh, see where the forklift and potentially pedestrians may come into uh, come into contact with each other. But anyway, anyway, that's sort of by the by. Right. The wide remit of a transport manager. Yeah, it? absolutely, absolutely. So we've we've come into content heaven uh, over the next couple of weeks. Um, we can start to pick apart the traffic commissioner's annual report. Um, so, what does the traffic commissioner's annual report mean? I'm guessing it comes out on an annual basis, based on the name. Yeah, yeah, funny old thing that, but yeah, it's uh, it's out and um, it's got some interesting bits and pieces in it. Um, as you say, we've got a lot of content there we can cover on other on other podcasts. And some of the statistics, quite oh, a difficult word, isn't it? To say some of the on a Monday morning. Oh. Yeah, we're could recording this on a Monday morning. Isn't it? Statistics um, are uh, are quite interesting. Uh, they're busy people, our traffic commissioners, and the number of, uh, as we might expect post COVID, um, the number of um, public inquiries is up. Um, the number of driver conduct uh, hearings. Uh, is is up? I mean, up significantly, you know. So, um, you know, whether this is a, a measure of, of the industry slipping backwards, I don't, I don't think it is, or whether the uh, traffic commissioners are just getting better at what they do, and I think that's a fair point. But yeah, so interesting reading, and I think we're going to get some pretty good material coming out of that in um, in due course. But as usual, the .gov website, if you want to read it, it's all there. Um, just put in the office of the traffic commissioner annual report to 2021 22 and it's uh, it's a cracking Perfect. cracking bedtime read for us all yeah so we, we've got a few uh, few bits that we're going to pick up out of that over the next few podcasts haven't we and I've, I've got a bit of news about the podcast mike one is that i've made a decision oh, a, a half dozen things podcast uh that from now moving forward all of the transport and fleet related topic areas are going to be migrated over to fleet geeks Excellent. so a half dozen things is going to be 
looking at other other stuff. So to name just a few sort of uh, interviews that I've done recently um, with the head of the commercial vehicle unit, uh, Rick Wenham uh, at Met- Metropolitan Police and Mike Dorber, who heads up Navsys. Uh, in the future, those podcasts, those kinds of interviews are going to be moved onto this platform with Fleet Geek. So uh, this is going to be the platform um, and the podcast for fleet transport professionals who want development and want to listen and, and hear from you and I. And we're going to be interviewing people as well. So the format's going to evolve a little bit, which is exciting, isn't it? That's good news. That's good news. Fantastic. That's, that's, I think that's a great step forward for Fleet Geeks. And I think... Um, Getting a lot of uh, a lot of great feedback from it, uh, you know, which is really really for, for us. And and you know, Pete in particular has worked very very hard on this brand. Um, you know, that's really encouraging. And uh, we do we do thank you all and uh, look forward to uh, look forward to that new format. And uh, that's not to say half a dozen things isn't a really good listen. Anybody, you you know, it's naturally your kind of guests have gyrated towards being in the transport sector. But there's some really interesting stuff on that from from people else, elsewhere in industry. So you know, growth, development, management, that type of thing. It's uh, it's so right. It's a, it's an excellent podcast, folks. So do please check that out as well. Yeah, I appreciate that. So yeah, what I'm going to be doing with the half dozen things is broadening the remit um, of the focus areas. We're going to be focusing much more on flagship partners' overall offering, uh, which is around making our clients safer, greener, and greater. So the podcast is going to be focusing more on that. Um, so we may have a little bit of transfer. We may have the odd transport-related guests, but it's going to be more of a focus on the business element, the leadership, the management, and overall improvement of the business function. Um, so the more techie, the techie type transport stuff's going to be uh, be over on this podcast. So yeah. Um, anyway, without without sort of uh, further further sort of uh, discussion, shall we move into the move into the crux of this session, mate? Shall we? Yes, and it, it, this this topic is one that I picked up out of that report. Just just one of the many things that have come out of that traffic commissioner's report. But it, it it's one that I keep getting in in uh, training uh, courses. One. That delegates, I think, you know, with the greatest respect, have, have a little bit of difficulty understanding because to the, you know, to the, to the lay person, it, it does seem a weird, a little bit odd, and it, it kind of centres around this relationship between the operator and the maintenance provider. You know, an external, well, you could look at it internally as well, but an external maintenance provider, particularly given that a lot of vehicles these days are leased or hired and they come with uh, full smr service maintenance repair leases um but i think this just the the report highlights from the traffic commissioner's point of view and reiterates that the operator is wholly responsible for the maintenance of vehicles and that includes managing your your uh, your contractors um and i think also the other shocking revelation is that um, mechanics who work on heavy goods vehicles and and um, garages that pr- provide these services are, are not there's no qualification it, 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 or there is no requirement for them to be regulated so and I know you've worked in that that industry Pete and I know you know from uh, from that point of view they do you know they do go through that process I know but you know, just just from from a from a dealer's point of view, how how, how do you see that relationship? Oh, mate, cowboys, a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> Big ammo, little ammo. 
<laughs> oh, do you know what? I th- I'm going to get some hate mail. Um, I've done a few. <laughs> I've done a few podcasts which have stirred up a bit of a reaction. Now I've got I've got some good friends in the in the in the industry and in the motor vehicle repair sector, and um, I think yeah, obviously if you. I think I think what I would say is generally speaking, in my experience, you get what you pay for. So if you're going to go to a main dealer for maintenance, then the and trust me, some of the independents are actually have worked to a higher standard than some of the dealers in principle. Yeah. Um, but uh, it, it, it's very similar to a transport operation in that the the operation is only as good as its people on the ground, and therefore. Uh, workshop whether it's a dealer run or whether it's an independent it is only as good as the technicians that work on the shop floor delivering delivering the work and it's the same with drivers and the transport operation they are only as compliant as the drivers that are out there doing the hard graft and doing the work we can have all sorts of procedures and everything in place in the background but the reality is that the hard coal face of the business is the work being done sort of as it should be um and to that end I'm going to make a case for independent workshops that that some of them in many situations could be better than the than the dealerships potentially. So what are you going to get? What are your options available? Well, you know, at the top of the tree, you've got your your dealership, which in principle is going to be the most expensive for you to have your maintenance with. But large, by and large, you've got that um, you've got that confidence in the manufacturer's brand, which is that those main dealers will audit and hold to account those dealerships which are working under that banner um, and have got that approval and there'll be an audit process now some um some workshops uh with that have the manufacturer's badge they'll be privately owned businesses that are kind of franchising that badge um and those uh, those workshops will be uh, audited on an ongoing basis it might be quarterly and certain metrics and kpis will be looked at um to ensure that the dealership is upholding the standards for the brand. So uh, they would look at things like first-time MOT pass rate. They would audit uh, to make sure that all of the tooling's calibrated properly and that all of the policies and procedures are in place, as well as probably having standards around the level of qualification of technicians. as probably a tiered system around the level of experience and qualification in the workshop. Now, in an independent, that structure is a little less there. Um, And in reality... Um, you know, a, a technician, whilst there's NVQs and city and guilds and, you know, th- there's plenty of workshop technicians out there that, that are time served and probably have never got the certificates, yeah, those kinds of things. Exactly. There are there are independent certificating bodies to look out for if you're looking at auditing or managing your relationship with a maintenance provider and things to ask her around their requirement for ERTEC. So ERTEC is like a um, an independent um, an independent awarding organisation who will um, measure the competence and uh, certificate uh, individuals within the team, and it's a five-year-long certificate. If you imagine CPC for it's it's like CPC for workshop technicians, yeah. for example. Yeah. So, um, ERTEC is a good certificate to look for, and there's other memberships like um, you know the from an engineering point of view that there, there are uh, I can't think of them just offhand for the podcast, but they're I'd ask to see, certainly when you look at levels of competence, I would start to ask your maintenance provider around how do they deem their workshop technicians competent and what sort of certification process or training. And more importantly, what is their ongoing training as well? Because one of the things with the dealers is is that 
the beauty of the divas is that the, the the workshop technicians have always got new product there's always new technology and therefore they've always, got to yeah. keep up with you know the, yeah. you know if you want to speak to them about alternative fuels and and those kinds of things they they will be learning about those things and they'll be they'll be often a little bit more advanced from that point of view than an independent because the independent might not have the requirement to uh you know they might not need to know about alternative fuels yet because it's not started hitting their workshop they're on a bit more of a need to know basis um but you know there's lots and lots of standards for people to look out for things like iso standards um you know if if companies have got an iso 9001 certificate for example that is a quality management system so that means that the uh, the business regularly reviews the quality in their business and they have policies and procedures in place to achieve that ISO standard. Um, again, with 14,001, which is environmental, and 45,001, which is uh, the safety uh, standards. Again, those things start to sort of demonstrate that a business is um, of, of, a certain, of a certain standard. But interestingly, with car garages, you have a few that do sort of a franchise around Bosch and that kind of thing. You kind yes. of see that, don't you? Yeah, you know, so they manage you don't, kind of, yeah, it's like a quality. Yeah. So, yeah, you know that you're getting a, a, that, that level of service from a Bosch. Yeah, exactly. They're not a manufacturer, but they're recognised as a leading brand. Yeah. They're a German yeah. brand. They're a leading brand. And to meet those standards, to use that logo, to use that branding, you know that that car garage will have Bosch as, a, as an approval. Um, so that they'll have to have certain systems and levels of qualification in place. Interestingly, you haven't really got that, or not that I'm aware no. of, I don't know if you are, but haven't really got that in the, in the commercial vehicle sector. Hi, it's Pete from Flagship Partners. We're really proud to sponsor the Fleet Geeks podcast. Flagship Partners offer a range of consultancy and training services to ensure that our customers remain compliant and have the best possible knowledge to be able to fulfill their work. If you're interested in support with any of our safety, HR or compliance services, or you want to train to be a transport manager or need driver CPC training, give us a call today. No, as, as, a lot of people really, really struggle with the concept that you know, and I take it to its to its eighth degree that if you take a vehicle from a vehicle workshop uh, that has just been PMI'd or has just uh, had some sort of work done on it, and you take it 100 yards up the road or 100 meters up the road, and a wheel falls off, you know, the operator is responsible for that, not not the workshop. And a lot of people oh, it can't be right, you know. But it, you know, in in the eyes of, of the in our industry regulator, it is because our industry regulator doesn't regulate the um, the, the workshops. Um, it's strange, you know. My other one of my other passions is aviation. I'm an av geek, uh, only on a on a sort of you know amateur basis, but. Um, you know, a, ma- a, a mechanic on an aircraft. It, I hear you became a pilot recently, Mike. I did become a pilot recently. To uh, yes, I did. I got a pilot's <laughs> license recently, but don't get too excited. It's just a drone pilot's license. So uh, I know people <laughs> might say I drone on a bit, but uh, yes, indeed, I am. But it was issued. Funny, well, they well, I see. It was issued by the Civil Aviation Authority, who are the industry regulators for the airline industry or the air. The aviation world. So to be a, to be a mechanic and work on an aeroplane, you need to be uh, CAA approved, and they regulate you. So if you make a mistake, um, and then you know that that could potentially lead you to losing your CAA license to work on aeroplanes. So 
you know, but that's no such thing exists in the in the truck world. But Pete, as as a as an operator, uh, sorry, as a you you know in your in your former life, as it were, w would you be? How would you deal with an operator coming to you as a workshop manager and saying, look, you know, we need to audit you or we need to ask some questions of your quality maintenance? Would you be offended or would you welcome that with open arms? Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, good question. And um, I've, I've sat both sides of the fence yeah. uh, on on this one for certain, um, both as the fleet manager and as the workshop manager. So as a workshop manager, I would welcome the opportunity. I, you know, I think um, it's uh, I think if you're doing things the right way, um, then you you sort of follow that. That's the standard that you follow. Um, it is. Um, it will be tricky, I think, for some of the more independent workshops to if they've not been held to that level of account by anyone because this is the way they do it, like it or lump it, it's, it's, a, it's a really tricky relationship. And I've, I've sort of mentioned this in previous podcasts as well. There's a real shortage of good quality workshops yeah. out there. So therefore, there's, the balance of power is actually in the workshop's hands in that they have got, they can refuse work or they can choose not to do work for certain people. So that relationship has to be, by the fleet manager, needs to be very carefully and delicately managed. Um, but you're, you know, you're absolutely right. I think um, as a fleet manager, you have every right to ask a workshop because you need to, because you are responsible. You are like responsible. you've just said, you are, you know, it is your duty as the transport manager. You are duty bound um, to by the regulator to ensure that you effectively manage and control your fleet of vehicles. And by doing so, you need to ensure that you've got a tight grip. And, and as my old after-sales director would say, you've grasped the nettle of um, managing your maintenance provider. And therefore, yeah, therefore, you will need to be able to demonstrate, if a wheel comes off, God forbid, uh, that you've properly managed them. So you've ensured that the technicians are qualified. You've ensured that you've got some sort of audit report or something like that to demonstrate that you've, uh, checked the, the quality of their work and, and recorded any systems or management systems they may have in place as well as making sure that they're uh, you know is their torque wrench calibrated has their headlight tester been calibrated is their taco calibration equipment um uh calibrated i think the only the only real thing that the dvsa will go into um a workshop to, to check and ensure it's run properly is the is the tachograph center and the and the mot lane um you know actually interestingly mentioning the mot lane maybe maybe that's the sign of a very professional workshop because if they're willing to have the dvsa on site uh on an mot lane then then potentially that's a demonstration that they're, they're doing things properly it, it's just yeah. those things to consider isn't it but yes. that doesn't mean that the independents without mot lanes aren't doing it properly because they may well be it may just be that they haven't got the investment of the mot lane I'd say the MOT lane is probably a good indicator. Good side, they've got DVSA, yeah. yeah, they've got DVSA on site on a regular basis. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. It's, it is a, it is a, it is a difficult one, as you say. It's a, it's a, from a workshop's point of view, it's a seller's market, isn't it? That you know, there is a shortage of good mechanics around. There's a shortage of good workshops around. So you know, they have that upper hand, and the, the poor beleaguered. Uh, operator has to sort of wade their way through that and you know what what about the uh ultimately then as an operator the steps that you can take to uh, make sure your maintenance provider is doing a, a, a good job maybe even to bring in somebody independently to to audit them um 
you know, we, we, we never make this as a sales pitch, do we? But, um, you know, that it, to bring in somebody with that sort of experience uh, with the workshop environment as well as the fleet management environment, um, or, you know, potentially even to bring in to do a, a desktop kind of audit or even to, to check vehicles that have come from um, a PMI to make sure that they haven't missed anything. Would, would, is that, is, is, as a workshop manager, would you be offended by that if somebody turned up to do an audit? Uh, no, no, I don't think I would be. And I think that uh, an operator and the transport manager has got every right to do so. So transport managers and operators, if you're listening, uh, these are two services that flagship partners can offer. I suppose this was like the invitation to the pitch. Um, and these are things that potentially you could do yourself. Um, but if you didn't feel confident to do so or you wanted somebody, an independent report, in the same way that we are almost, shall I say, almost approved for the earned recognition auditing program. For example, myself and, and other colleagues within Flagship are qualified internal auditors. So therefore, as a qualified internal auditor, I've got a lot of workshop experience and I've got a lot of fleet operations experience. So for example, I could quite easily, just as easily as I go into your operation as an operator to check your compliance, particularly for things like earned recognition or fraud standards, those things that I've audited for previously, and I have an audit for a workshop, so I could go in and audit a maintenance provider mm. on your behalf and produce a professional independent report around the systems, the management, the training. Um, I can do spot check of paperwork. I can review your existing service documentation. I would, from a GDPR point of view, I imagine I wouldn't be allowed to see other customers' um, data or their vehicle maintenance, for example, but I would be able to see yours. I'd be able to re review their MOT pass rate because that's uh, available information. What things have that workshop failed on? What what items have they failed on? What types of vehicles? Um, you know, what, what does their history look like? So I could gather a range of that data to produce a professional report um, for the operator. Um, and likewise, so there's, there's that, that as a, like a standing audit. And then the other thing that operators can look to do on a regular basis is actually do an ad hoc check post maintenance inspection yeah. of a vehicle and have someone independently check that. Um, you know, some of the large national companies employ engineers um, or subcontract engineers to do things like that. And I think that is something, if you told me, asked me what's in my crystal ball for the future, I think that's going to be yeah. a big thing. Like gate checks have become a big thing for yeah, us, for, yeah. for transport managers, managing, managing the vehicle check operation. There's going to be a similar thing, which will be about managing the PMI, because ultimately it's the operator's responsibility that the PMI is done and it's done properly. And the only real way for them to do that is to get that independently checked. Um, and most, a lot of transport managers won't be mechanically qualified. So you would no, be looking to potentially subcontract sub yeah. that role uh, for someone else to come in and check that. So it'd be straightforward things, for example, you'd get the inspection sheet and you'd go, hang on. Are those tire tread decks actually the same as what's on the vehicle now? I've seen that before. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Is the mileage correct? You know, there's yeah. there's lots and lots of things that you can go around and, and you know, things like are the bulbs working? You know, yeah. there, there, there's some really straightforward things right. that actually a transport manager would be more than capable to do. I've had when a, it comes to sorry, Karen. No, I was gonna say I had a guy on a course the other day tell me that uh, you know, no names, no pack drill, but a maintenance provider. He phoned them up and like and said, Thank you very much. And they said, Well, what you know, what are you thanking us for? He said, Well, somehow he said, Between the last inspection and this inspection, my tire tread has grown. 
Uh, so, so unbelievably, the tire had actually grown some tread in the, between the two inspections. But there's clearly somebody has either written it down wrong or just not bothered checking it and just guessed, or you know, and uh, you know that that's not the first time I've heard that happening. So it's uh, so, and there'll be people listening. There'll be people listening who may roll their eyes, going, "Oh, you know, all jobs worth or what have you," right? But I tell you what, if a wheel comes off, the first thing that's going to start happening is you're going to get a vehicle and you're going to go through the last three or four service sheets and you're going to start to measure these things and and, and you're going to look at interrogating those. And I suggest that people do that now when they get their service sheets from their maintenance provider, look at it against their previous service sheets. Defects, are there any continuing defects? Is there, you know, what are the common elements? Um, Tread depth, tyre pressures, you know, is does the pattern sort of follow? Are they really checking those tire pressures? You know, uh, what what's the brake test result look like, for example? You know, what's the readings in comparison? Um, you know, brake test is a whole other ball game, as we as we're well aware. And for transport managers now, the expectation isn't just to accept the pass; it is that, and we could do a whole different podcast, I think, on roller brake tests. Um, but just accepting a pass is no longer acceptable. We need yeah. to make sure that we're interrogating the the actual measurements and the readings that are coming from that brake test report as well. Absolutely. And so we've kind of come back full circle, really. You mentioned there the focus on these, and that's what started this conversation was that if it appears in a, in a you know, if it's on the radar of the traffic commissioners, um, and I'm guessing actually probably most things are, to be fair, but if it's on the radar to the extent that they've actually included it in a, um, in an annual report, then you know we are into that kind of territory, and you know it wasn't meant to, as a sales pitch, but people probably are not aware that there are people who will do this, you know, for them. Um, and uh, you know, we're saying we'd be more than happy to help in in, in that respect, as I'm sure yeah. we would. I'd, I'd also, I think, just as a closing point, the other thing to note is, and this is from me speaking to my solicitor uh, friends that attend public inquiries. And that is to remember the traffic commissioners, largely speaking, are often, and I'm not saying in all cases, but are often of engineering backgrounds themselves. Yes. So there, there is no pulling the wool over their eyes when it comes to maintenance and yes. those things. Yes. And, and in reality, I, you know, in my experience, I think they have to learn the tachograph side of things, the traffic side, more than they have to learn the vehicle maintenance, because actually a lot of the time their understanding of the vehicle maintenance is that, that's their that's Especially their Mr. Rooney, yes, indeed. Yes. It's it's unusual. It's unusual yeah. that you get a traffic commissioner who has both backgrounds. Um, yes. Potentially, potentially that may be the case, and I haven't looked into their backgrounds, but certainly in my experience, a lot of them are very focused on vehicle sure. maintenance, roadworthiness, yeah. and um, they really, really do understand what makes a vehicle uh, safe yeah. for the road. Uh, they're talking about being more, um, more well, not more transparent because they already are transparent, but you will be able to get some more details from the applications and decisions uh, as to the background behind some of those decisions. So um, that's going interesting, be interesting so. going forward, isn't it? Yeah. So yeah, there we are, folks. Yes, yeah, so that wraps it up for. Perfect. Uh, yeah. What, what are you off to? What are you off to do now, Mike? What you got? What you got planned for the rest of the day, mate? I'm uh, I'm going to go and speak to I'm going to speak to the uh, chief examiner from City and Guilds. Uh, we are currently trying to put some more um, uh, case study questions together for uh, the up and coming series of exams in the future. So uh, it's uh, it's it's something I do uh, quite uh, quite interested in uh, uh, formula, and it's harder than what you think. I'll tell you what; it's one of the hardest jobs 
in the world that trying to put together questions for an exam um and and you know it's quite a process it goes through scrutiny editorial committees and so on and so forth but yeah much more to it than meets the eye you know people just open an exam paper and think oh wow yeah but that's just not you know it's it's so much more to it than meets the eye uh but i'm very much still learning that process so Brilliant, mate. Well, uh, yeah, enjoy enjoy that meeting. And listeners, I hope you've uh, I hope you've enjoyed this session. Please do comment and share and share any suggestions with us because we do we do look at those and it helps us formulate future content. If uh, the, the more questions absolutely. people ask and the more they feedback, the the better it is for us. Absolutely. These to remind you, these are recorded on an ad hoc basis. So what we say is correct at the time of us recording this, but it isn't. It isn't specific advice for you. If you do want specific advice, I recommend you getting in touch and speaking to us directly. Um, and yeah, if you're interested in discussion around your maintenance providers and managing those, we're more than happy to have a conversation as well, aren't we, Mike? Absolutely. You know, we we, we thrive on that feedback, so it's what we need Absolutely. to continue. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, thank you for joining us, and please do share it with your with your colleagues and with your friends. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. See you on the next one. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, please share with your friends and colleagues too. Join us for free on Facebook with the Fleet Geeks community for transport and fleet managers. Fleet Geeks offers ongoing professional development, networking and mentoring too. So get in touch with me, Pete Rushmer, on any social media platform to find out more.